Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 15:14 that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lincoln Liu, your other host. Be sure to check out other resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's a delight to have you as part of our audience. Today, you will get to hear an interview that Lakin and I got to do with uh, Dr. Ed Welch, who's Mm -hmm. very familiar to many of you. Wonderful conversation. I will encourage you, if you're a BCC partner, we recorded a special after show mm-hmm. with Dr. Welch that, where we asked him some questions that I received from Boyce students. Uh, and man, we got some, that was three great questions yes. and really wonderful answers. So, mm-hmm. Lincoln, what did you, lo- like, what stood out to you about the interview with Dr. Welch? Yeah, there was so much. And I love how he was just able to answer every question Um, He took a long time to answer because he really wanted to just let the Spirit guide his words. And so I could tell that was very evident. Um, And something that he even talked about that was very challenging and convicting and also very encouraging at the same time was him talking about how he still, even after years and years of just being in all of God's word, how it's still, how he's still in all of it when he first um, came to saving faith was just that the spirit, um, not only does he want the spirit to make his knowledge move him to love the Lord, that he even said, well, I don't just want that. I'm dependent upon it. Mm. And I think that was the game changer was for me, that was me thinking, oh, I want the spirit to move my heart. But he says, no, I'm dependent on it. You know, and that's like, am I dependent on the spirit for my growth, for me to be moved? Or am I just wanting that so that I can be moved? Mm. So that was just... Yeah, that was a great, that yeah. was a good, his discussion on on the Word and how he interacts with the Word. Now, you had a great question there. So, listeners, listen out for that nugget and plenty, plenty more yes. wisdom shared there yes. in that interview. So, thanks for listening. This season of 1514 is brought to you in part by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boyce College. A lifetime of faithfulness in counseling, preaching, teaching, and discipling begins with an education that is trusted for truth. Southern Seminary and Boyce College offer undergraduate, master's level, and doctoral degrees in biblical counseling that you can trust to be scripturally grounded and life-transforming. The aim of our program at Boyce College is to prepare graduates to serve in counseling ministries and to position them for graduate-level training in biblical counseling. If your next step in counseling is earning a master's or doctoral degree, Southern Seminary equips our graduates fully online or on campus to counsel God's Word faithfully and skillfully in both individuals and families. To learn more about an undergraduate biblical counseling degree, go to boycecollege.com 1514. That's boycecollege.com 1514. For more information about graduate-level credentials, the web address is sbts.edu 1514. You will also find direct links to these degree programs in the show notes of today's 1514 episode. Thanks so much for listening. Well, Ed Welch, welcome back to 1514. It's a delight to have you with us on the podcast today. It's always nice to see you and to hear you and to and to uh, be in proximity. So it's great to be with you. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to next week will be the CCF uh, mm-hmm. 
not podcast, the CCF <laughs> annual conference. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. that this, uh, this episode will go out the week before that. So audience, oh, okay. if you're listening, you can look for the online CCF conference. If you haven't registered, it's sold out in person. So you can get a, a virtual ticket mm-hmm. though and check that out. So they will be in proximity in real, real life. So looking forward to that. I am too. So for those who uh, don't know, you could just give a brief introduction to yourself, your family, current ministry roles. Since I only say too much, see if I can be minimalist. <laughs> if you need anything else, let me know. Uh, I, I have been del- delighted to work at CCF since 1981 as a faculty mm-hmm. and a counselor. I've worn different hats along the way, but it's, it's relatively streamlined right now as, as a faculty and counselor. Uh, married to my wife, and we're in empty nesters, and and my daughters live relatively close by with their spouses and their four children. An elder in my church, mm-hmm. so that's that's the they're the, probably the most important things, or the things that that occupy most of my time over the course of a week or a few weeks or a month. Mm-hmm. Very good. What has been your favorite hat that you've worn throughout your time at CCEF? My favorite hat has consistently been counseling itself. I, I would think of that question probably every five years, probably wondering if people are going to fire me and I'm going to have to look for a job. And if I had to do one thing of teaching, counseling, and writing, I, I would often think I would do counseling. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it and I, I, I probably am most suited to that. I, that might be changing a little bit now where probably writing and hmm. Counseling, they they vie for things that are uh, that capture my attention are and are suited to me. I think writing I enjoy because it is a process of discovery for me, and I mm-hmm. I wouldn't get that discovery in any other venue. So those two probably, but counseling mm-hmm. still has an edge. Oh, that's a good. That's a great question and. Good to hear. So this is a getting to know you podcast. So we like to ask our guests a little bit about their background and how they grew up. So uh, tell us, where did you grow up and what was Ed Welch like as a kid? <laughs> I grew up, uh, let's see, four miles from where I am presently, wow. which I never, never anticipated. I'm in <laughs> suburban Philadelphia and my daughters went to the same high school I went to and they had a couple of the same teachers that, that I had. <laughs> Um, uh, I grew up with really fine Christian parents, two sisters, an older sister and a younger sister. Church was probably the center of of uh, family life. Prayer meetings, morning service, evening service, youth youth services. Uh, I you're not asking. Well, I was, I was going to I was going to give my my story of how I came to know Christ. I'll I'll, I'll wait on that. Um, great parents, just wonderful parents, and and um, they I, I am thankful for them. They they deceased probably around 15 years ago. Mm. But I, I, if anything, I think about them more now than than I did even five years ago. Mostly thankful for. Mm for a place where I where I was raised with people who I knew loved me, um, a place that was protected, um, and they evidenced practical theology. They evidenced their love for Jesus and their love for each other. Mm-hmm. So that's thankful for that just about every day. Mm-hmm. 
So since you mentioned it already, we are going to ask, why don't you tell us, tell us about your faith journey? How did you come to saving faith in Christ? I, I read uh, what Redemption Accomplished and Applied uh, years ago, and it sort of created the story for, for my, my own experience. Uh, and it talks about conversion as three pieces. One is you... You know information. Two is you know the information. You believe the information is true. Uh, I would say that that was my life story, where I always knew the information about Scripture, and I thought sword drills were the most fascinating things around. <laughs> and, um, uh, so I always knew the story, and I always believed the story was true. Uh, but as I got older, what's eleven, twelve, it was obvious to me that those around me were doing something different than I was with the story. They were following Jesus. And, and I recognized that I wasn't, that I, I knew him, but it's, I hate to say it, it's a, it's a worn out story, but the world just seemed like they had more life to it than Christ did. And so I, I looked around for the world and, and, um, and, I, I lived my worldly life undercover, mostly for my, my parents, for different reasons. Um, I didn't want to embarrass them. Uh, uh, I thought that they probably would prefer that I would have that undercover. Mm-hmm. They wanted, I think they, they had mm-hmm. some investment in me looking a certain way. I went off to college. I had a swimming scholarship. And, and I think the last year in college, I lost interest in athletics yeah, it's obviously there's there's only a, there's a, a certain window to athletics where you can find your identity <laughs> in it, and that window closes fairly quickly. So, which I was very thankful for. And that same last year of college, I I, I saw the spirit doing some work in me. I would call it an interest in integrity, to be a decent human being, to be, and also to be a more open person. Mm-hmm. Uh, with friends and and with family. So I I really do believe that that was the beginnings of the working of the spirit in my life, the more more obvious workings. And and then it culminated in my my mom used to put a Bible in my luggage when I'd go off to school. Um, We never spoke about it Uh, by the end of of college. By the middle of college, I thought it was sweet. I think the first year I thought it was oppressive, but uh, the second year I thought it was sweet. And and third year I did as well. But the fourth year I actually had time because I stopped swimming. I I was going to graduate in one semester simply because I didn't have a whole lot of money to to graduate in two. So I I just had to be more conscientious. And as a result, I wasn't involved in as many things as I had been. And I would find myself occasionally in the evenings reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and and I have no idea what I was reading, but but simply reading the Bible, I was convicted mm-hmm. that that my wrongness was sin against God, against you only, and you only have I sinned, and converted it the last month of university, and immediately changed my future plans. I I was I had a few different applications out and. And acceptances, I was I was most likely going to head to. Um, I was interested in kids and how kids learn, and so I was interested in graduate programs that that, that considered that particular question, um, which would include some sort of hybrid of working with kids and also some sort of awareness of neurology and in the brain. Um, 
so that was where I was headed. But but I immediately thought, this Bible is really very powerful stuff. And mm-hmm. and uh, whatever I do, it would be nice to to be able to study it a little bit more carefully. And I have a little time to do that now. And so that's that's what I did. Went off to seminary and studied the scripture and and I felt I felt selfish and indulgent the entire time, uh, which is the same way I feel now as, <laughs> as a worker. Uh, who am I that I would be able to have this kind of fun? Mm. Where my you know where I would be able to invest myself this amount of time in these particular mm. questions and knowing knowing the very mind of God. So um, uh, I moved into biblical counseling after that. Mm. Now, did you? Um, with that love for kids, were you able to still um, have that in biblical counseling? Is that something that fueled biblical counseling? Or, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, I'm smiling, Lincoln, because I I love kids and <laughs> I love my grandkids, and and I am my my wife's um, helper in Sunday school. I've been that for years and years <laughs> and years. And I, I just, I just love it. I love the kids, and, and so, so I still have that interest in in kids. I still have that just sheer enjoyment mm. with with children. Uh, but as a counselor, I would say no. When I first became a counselor, I I, I, I assume that people tend to do this. I said yes to everything because <laughs> I, I needed to learn everything. So I said yes, and and so if they had kids, I would say yes. Uh, and either kids are really hard to work with. Or the kids I was talking to were really hard to work with, <laughs> or I was not gifted in working with children. <laughs> so somewhere among those, I, I realized I love them, but they probably shouldn't be showing up in my counseling schedule. Perhaps their parents are the ones who should be showing up instead. And, uh, <laughs> if I can work with the parents so they can help their children. I feel I, I was a little scared there, and, oh, but no. now I feel justified. Yesterday, we're going to share some of these questions with you later, but I asked the students in one of my classes, if you had a chance to ask Ed Welch a question, what would it be? And one of them said something about counseling kids, because they're also writing papers on different stages of life, so they all wanted you to write their paper. Um, <laughs> and I thought, I don't think I would ask Ed a kid counseling question, because I've never seen any of that in your writing. Okay. And then when you started talking about kids, I was like, oh man, I stand corrected. But now I Stand justified. That's true. So. Yeah, I have lots of grandparents, <laughs> but, uh, but not kid counseling stories. I, mm. I, I don't think I have too many Sunday school stories either. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I certainly enjoy enjoy working with the kids. I'm sorry, what was your question? Story you got? I started going off on something else. No, it wasn't a question. I was just feeling making feeling good about myself. Oh. So. You knew, <laughs> he knew you. He knew you well to not, I didn't know you well enough to, you know. So, to, so here's, tell, here's what I was going to say. I, I, I would find that, that in, in my classes, I would speak with a certain authority when hmm. whatever ages my children were not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, when they were preteens, I was, an, uh, I, I, was, I was an expert on young children, but not preteens. When they were teenagers, I didn't know oh, anything about funny. teenagers. But, so I always felt utterly incompetent with my own children, but loved them to death hmm. uh, and, and you know, helped them as I was able, certainly. But whatever age they were, I, I felt I needed hmm. a great deal of help with that age group. Yeah. So you mentioned getting into biblical counseling, but you didn't tell us how that actually happened. So how how did it happen? I had I had people interests when I was an undergraduate, 
was a psychology major. I lost interest is in, in that very quickly because I I thought it was going to help help us to know people, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. So, so I found myself leaning more toward philosophy because those questions seem to be more interesting. So the existential questions, who are we, why are we, where are we going? Um, um, so I found that in philosophy. I, I did, however, find in psychology that the harder sciences were, were interesting to me. Um, sensation, perception, anatomy, and physiology, those kinds of things. So I enjoyed that and considered medical school is, is one of the options, but but medical school, it's well, this is obviously silly, but it, it felt like being a sort of a mechanic where I was you know, just learning the parts and how do the parts work and how do you put the mm. parts together? How do you, you know, uh, how do you fix them? Uh, and it didn't it didn't get to the questions that mm. interested me even before I was a Christian. Uh, so. So after I, be- I became a Christian, I, I just wanted to study the Bible. And when I went to seminary, I had absolutely no vocational dreams because I didn't I didn't know what the dreams even were. <laughs> Most of my colleagues were moving into pastoral ministry. I I wasn't thinking about that in part because I even though I knew the Christian culture and I knew a lot about the scripture, I, I did feel really very young in the faith. I think the other thing was the idea of an upfront ministry, uh, especially at that time, um, it, it, um, it held very little interest to me. The idea of preaching regularly held very little interest. I, I, um, I don't know if I'd call myself an introvert, but, but I, I, pr- I think I prefer by nature, this is changing, but I prefer by nature not to be the center of attention. Um, and pastors seemed like they were the center of attention. I didn't realize how much bad attention they were the center of until I yep. moved into pastoral ministry myself. But, but so I had really no vocational interests. I, I, I just I just was studying the Bible and I loved it. And, and occasionally, if I, after an Old Testament class, I'd say I want to be an old I want to study the Old Testament <laughs> and I want to be an Old Testament professor. If it's New Testament and church history, whatever it was. That became I was uh, I was a fanboy for whatever it was, um, but uh, but I think it was my first semester of my second year at a counseling course which didn't exist in seminaries at that point. It was a fellow named John Grawley who who taught the course, and he was also actually doing some counseling at CCF, which was was just mm-hmm. just just in its very beginnings. So I'm going back to 19, 1975 and nineteen seventy six now. Uh, and incompetent to counsel had come out. Incompetent um, to counsel was um, um, the the idea that Scripture could speak to these farther reaches of human experience and the details of human experience. Mm-hmm. It, it it really opened my eyes. I don't know what I was thinking. I obviously knew Scripture spoke to daily life, mm-hmm. but. But in in the details, I, I, I simply it was it was it was new to me. So I just really appreciated it. Uh, and then when I get, got in the counseling course with John Grawley, it so those old interests sort of flooded back, and I began to think this is this is just the greatest thing mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, the next semester, I had an opportunity to actually sit in on some counseling at CCF. And sat in with John Raleigh, sat in with John Bettler, sat in with um, Howard Eirich, um, sat in with Rich Gans, 
I don't know if Wayne was, I don't think Wayne was there. Wayne Mack was there at that point. So I had a chance to sit in with, with all of them. And immediately I, I thought if I could, if I could decide what I was going to do, this is what I would like to do. Mm-hmm. And I recognize, of course, I can't decide it. And, and biblical counseling at that point was CCF. There really were, were no other options for it. Um, so, so I recognized it was unlikely that I would do those things. But I was thinking, this is, this is mm-hmm. great. I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine anything better. No, that's great. How do you still see yourself having those awe moments? Like that was in the 1970s you were talking about. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, having your classes and just being in awe of the sufficiency and just how it, the word addresses people in detail um, and with hope. So how do you see yourself in awe still with that same, that the word of God is still the same and still addresses people the same? That's, that's a hard question to answer. I, as I've thought of that question, I, I've thought of two things. One is, is if I find myself somehow uninterested in biblical counseling in the work that I do, I should retire. But I think the, the, the real answer is if I find myself somehow, somehow not, not growing in the knowledge of Scripture, the knowledge mm-hmm. of Christ, um, knowledge of my own sin, growing in loving other people, um, growing in skills and being able to care for others, if I'm not growing in those things, I'd, I'd want to die. That's mm. that's probably. I, I couldn't imagine life with mm. without that. Um, uh, the the process of discovery in Scripture is is such a pleasure to me. It's it's more of a pleasure as as I got I get older. Um, let's see. We'll just go go with the most recent. I. Over the summer, I had an occasion to hang out in Psalm 10. In Psalm 10, like a lot of the other Psalms, it has that rapid transition from something really dark and gloomy to to freedom and joy and praise. Um, So I've always seen those rapid switches. I had no idea how that happened. And I think instinctively, I would think the Psalms are these condensed versions of years and years of life. but, but for some reason this summer, I, I, I just stayed with Psalm 10 a little bit more. Things that I ask other people to do, but, but, um, but I wanted to do it harder myself. And, and what I found was, was I went, as I went slowly through the psalm, I, I moved naturally with the psalmist. Uh, I, I, was, I had the psalmist's pace, that sort of... Hmm. We were accustomed to, and as I had brought that walking pace to the psalm, the psalmist just sort of moved. I moved right along with the psalm to this place of of rest and joy. So, so given that, uh, I'm, I'm just giving you a recent illustration of things that have been good for my own heart. Um, I've been doing the same thing with Psalm 22, mm-hmm. uh, and and um, and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and, and one of the, the features of Psalm 22 that I've so appreciated, and it, is, it has been changing me, it's the, the movement between, uh, but you, but you, Lord, and then, but I. 
then it goes, but you, mm. Lord, and this is who you are, and this is what you've done. And then it moves to but I. And it's as if the Lord invites this, this extended section of the hard things that are on our heart. So to watch that back and forth has been it's been a blessing to my soul and sort of aroused me in prayer recently. Um, I, I think the other thing is, this is, this is obvious, but it was renewed. The, the way Psalm 22 answers the why question is, 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 is to remember, to remember the mighty acts of God. Mm. That's, that's, that's not just a, a, a distraction from the why questions. It's an answer to the why questions. And for us, obviously, in the New Testament, to remember the mighty acts of Christ. So, what, Lincoln, what am I doing? I'm, I'm just, <laughs> what was, what's been lively to me in the yeah. last day and a half? Psalm <laughs> 22 has been lively to me in the last day and a half. Um, I, let me, let me just riff on that just a bit longer. Um, around a month and a half ago, two months ago, probably, I was at a CCEF prayer meeting. We have prayer meetings every morning. And, and somebody did a beautiful, Beautiful devotional on substitutionary atonement, and and my I, I my response was a flat line. I had absolutely no response to it. I I I, I felt like a person on <laughs> people who sit next to me on airplanes sometimes. When I talk <laughs> to them about spiritual things, they they either glaze over or they they turn the subject to something else as if I'd never even spoken. I felt like somebody like that, where it, it, it didn't move me at all. Mm. I have no idea why, but it became this occasion. I spoke to my wife about it and, and found myself just really moving to Christ in prayer. Or it, I don't know what it is, but mm. I didn't like that particular yeah. <laughs> signal that I saw mm. from my own heart and yeah. bring life to my soul. And, and he did. And, mm. and um, I, I think it was the, the plagues in Egypt, actually, that brought life to my soul. Uh, mm. So, yeah, Lakin, thank you for the question. Excuse mm. me for going so long, but but um, but this is the liveliness of soul and responsiveness to the Lord. Mm. What would it mean to be a Christian without that? Um, and how can we how can we care for others well without? without tasting such things. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, great question. No, I, I love that. I just love how you want to let the Word revive you and to bring the let the Holy Spirit bring those words to life. Something at our prayer meeting at church last night was in our— um, one of the prompts was that we wouldn't let our knowledge— um, when we're reading something and either renewed knowledge or new knowledge being revealed to us, that we want to be stagnant. And that's mm. exactly what you don't like. That's what you're talking about is you don't want a stagnant knowledge. You want your heart mm. to respond in how um, the Lord would want you to in awe and wonder of just him revealing himself to you. I hope, I hope it's, it's not just wanting that it's being dependent on it. Mm. If if I don't have that, I, yeah. how can I go on if if the spirit doesn't give me that responsiveness? So, well, and such a yeah. such an encouragement too. I think to all of us, uh, either whether 
young in your faith, middle age in faith, or or anywhere along the way, or maybe in a season of of drought that it doesn't have to fade, right? And I think that would be our goal, right? That we would finish well, we would run the race, running all the way through the finish line, and kind of crescendoing when we see Jesus, and then continuing to raise as we as we grow in knowledge uh, in His presence. What a mm-hmm. what a great encouragement! So thank you for sharing that. You mentioned Sherry a few times, but you never told us because I didn't ask yet. Uh, <laughs> has she? Well, you've said my wife a few times, but I want to uh, say, like, where did she come into the picture? And then I have an interesting question from one of my students uh, for you about her. So tell us, how, where did you guys meet? How did that? How did you end up getting married? I was one of the few bachelors in seminary. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't design to be a bachelor. Just I. Trusted in marriage is a is a is an idea. I I you know get married you don't get married I I so I wasn't interested I wasn't not interested in marriage but I, I wasn't pining away for it. Uh, I went to graduate school and and um, started a Bible study in the graduate dorm when I got out. One of the one of the fellows who came ended up being my roommate and and he would occasionally talk about this cousin of his in California that he thought I would, I would like, I think he was looking out for me. I appreciated that. He, uh, so I said, Oh, that's fine. You know, I, you know, keep talking about this cousin, whatever. I, we're, I'm in Salt Lake city. She's in Cal- Southern California. And, and all you had was long distance calls in those days. And I had no money to do long distance calls. And I didn't know who the person was though. So I did, I appreciate his, Look, it is an, a sign of affection that he was thinking about this person he liked as somebody who I would like. Um, but it turned out he was going to California uh, in that area uh, for one long weekend. And I was able to sort of sneak a few days off on the side. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll go with you if we can stop and see this cousin you keep talking about. And, and so that's, to make a long story short, that we, that's what we did. And so I met Sherry during that weekend and then strategized and plotted how am I going to, how am I going to see her more often from Salt Lake and how can I woo her in the best possible <laughs> way? And then fortunately for, uh, well, it's God's sovereignty in the midst of all this. I think my letters were probably better than I was in person. And that's all I had. I only had letters to write. And I think over, over a period of a few months, she finally figured I was, I was worth getting to know a little bit more. And I think, what do we get? We got married eight months after we met. So, uh, all of a sudden, I like marriage, but I, for me, <laughs> <laughs> it just dawned on you. This, right. is, this might be a uh, good this idea. Is great, you know? <laughs> yeah, again, so the idea wasn't that it, it, I, I liked her. So that's, that's, what I, that's what I liked about mm-hmm. marriage. I liked that particular person as a marriage partner. Mm-hmm. Now, this, yeah, I'm debating going in a different channel. Because I, if I remember right, she has a slightly different take on the story than you do. Is that... I mean, maybe that happens in a lot of marriages, but I kind of right. remember her saying that. Yeah, well, we, I think I think we've come to agree to disagree <laughs> in that one. Um, my wife and I, where, where, of course, my story is I was utterly smitten, you know, within, within three hours of having met her. And I believe that she was utterly smitten within three, three and a half, four hours after having met me. She says she wasn't. But I don't believe her. Uh, I, I, I think I, so I, 
I basically say, I think, Sherry, on this one, I know you better than you know yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and she lets me get away with that. Well, I mean, and the proof is in the pudding. Eight months later, you're married. <laughs> like, it's, you know, she can't That's argue right. too hard with that. So, what a, one of my students, I asked some students yesterday um, what questions they would have. And, and one of them asked, uh, how has Sherry cared for you um, as a counselor? Or maybe not as a, just... Because you're because of the mm-hmm. burdens we carry as counselors, uh, sometimes it's helpful for our spouses to. Well, it's always helpful for our spouses to to support us, care for us, love us. Can you think of any ways that Sherry has uniquely done that for you and in, in the ministry that you've had? Probably two ways I can think of. Um, one way would be when things are hard. She she would graciously drop things, whatever she was doing, and, and she'd partner with me in it and pray for me in it. She's always done that, and she continues to do that. So that's one. I, I suspect what has been more important is that, that we have had a growing relationship through through all our time, um, and that has, that has been essential for me as a counselor. I can think of two days, by the way, here's another place where my wife and I agree to disagree. I can think of two or three days. There were hard days in our marriage. She can think of an entire year. There was ah. a hard year. <laughs> she, she can use our second year as a hard year again. She, she, uh, I know her better than she knows herself on that one. But, but the three days that I can remember where we were at odds, I remember being at CCF thinking, why am I even here? I'm, I, ha- I, I am a shell of a human being without, without movement toward resolution in my relationship with my wife. How can I even do these things? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would, I would muddle through the day. But, um, but a growing relationship with her, which the fact that it was a pleasure, I'm sure, was a, was a dividend to that. Um, that, has been, that has been essential in my own counseling it's been essential for me to give my entire attention to the people I speak with. Otherwise I would simply be distracted every, every 15 seconds by things that were going on at home. Oh, that's good. Well, we are almost out of time. Uh, so I'm going to Lake and close out with one final question. We, it's been a really enjoyable conversation mm-hmm. and we could talk for a long, long time, but want to respect our time, your time and our listeners time. So I'm going to let Lake and close out with one final question. Yeah, what is one specific piece of advice that you would like to share with our audience? It's an interesting question. I, you're getting me at a time where I'm thinking um, advice is usually not that helpful. Uh, but you're actually asking for for a piece of advice. What advice would I give? Um, um, I I think for me, um, the spirit. Spirit grows us and changes us. I often think of the of how the spirit often follows the patterns in creation, where 
it's gradual growth. You don't see it from day to day, mm. but it's it's persistent growth. Um, now I guess what's the advice? Um, spirit, grow me, grow me, mm. and grow me in in first knowledge of the triune God and, and love for the triune God um, above all else. God alone, God alone. You see that in Psalm 62. Uh, uh, and, and then to grow me in wisdom, and, and wisdom is that broad category, um, uh, especially as a counselor. Where should I be growing as a counselor? What are my weaknesses as a counselor? So part of the advice is where the, to have an answer to that question. How do I want to grow in primary areas of, of life? As a counselor, how do I want to grow as an instructor? How do I want to grow as a teacher? How do I want to grow as a, a father, as an elder, as a husband? Um, so that's, I don't know if you'd call that advice, but, mm. but have a ready answer to that question. Um, how do I want the Spirit to grow me in, in these various areas that, mm. that the Lord has called me to? Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for the time and for yeah. being on, joining us for the podcast today. You're very kind to ask these personal questions. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.